0: Hi, everyone. This is Crystal Brando at Policy Research Associates, and we are back for our third podcast in this four-part series with Wellcoa, the Wellness Council of America. They help business and health professionals improve employee well-being and help to create healthier organizational cultures. So we're back with Ryan Picarella, who is the president of Wellcoa, and um, we're here to hear from him once again and share some information about workplace wellness and specifically today we're going to dive a little bit into the topic of burnout so if you didn't listen to our first two podcasts please feel free to go ahead and check them out Ryan spoke a little bit about burnout in our social determinants conversation and we're going to get into that a little bit more today and talk about new horizons for mental health looking at resiliency burnout and the mind-body connection so Ryan thanks for joining us again
1: Thanks for having me, Crystal.
0: All right. So in these conversations we've been having, we've talked a lot about social determinants of health in the first two podcasts. And I think it would be great to back up a little bit and talk explicitly about mental health and hear from you, Ryan, about what you think the latest conversations are about mental health. For years, you know, stress management was a big part of the conversation for workplace wellness um, and in conversations about mental health. Do you think that's still commonplace or how do you see this conversation going today?
1: I think we're kind of expanding. I mean, I think that, you know, stress, we've been talking about stress for years now, and it's an important conversation, and we are all continually, you know, more stressed out. Every report we get says we were, we're more stressed out now than we were the the previous report, and Continues to be an issue. And I think this is where, you know, kind of a lot of these other issues begin to stem from. So w- when you're stressed, you know, that sort of translates into poor um, physical lifestyle choices and behaviors. You're more likely to eat more saturated fats. You're more likely to, um, you know, not go to the gym. You're more likely to lose sleep and not sleep well. So all of these things begin. And then all of that uh, manifests itself into poor lifestyle choices. And that can become a big issue. And in worst case scenarios, uh, you know, that stress can ultimately lead to burnout and in some cases. Even worse. And we're starting to see, you know, even rates of suicide, um, death by suicide rise, you know, in an organizational context, which, which I think is terrifying. So I think now, you know, we're, we're expanding the conversation where now we're starting to see organizations being held responsible for the mental health and wellness of their employees. And so I think that, you know, because of that and other things, organizations are recognizing uh, that this is a big issue. They're making it a strategic priority for them to address uh, and hopefully begin to understand and what is the right way to support their employees uh, as they're navigating their own mental health. And I think the other thing that's really important here too is that we hear a lot about millennials in the workplace um, and what they look for in their ideal job, what kind of culture do they want to work for within an organization? Um, and the good news is, is that they're demanding to have, um, you know, sort of more purpose and meaning in their work and what, you know, want to work for implore that they feel like fills up, you know, their bucket when it comes to those types of things. And if they don't have that, uh, that creates stress and ultimately turnover, which, you know, organizations, you know, certainly don't want more than, um, than a healthy amount. So I think that it, it's becoming really um, one of the most important things that an organization can really do. And I, think it should be.
0: And, you know, it it has been in the literature for a couple of years now, the value that millennials um, are putting on work-life balance and how that is actually transforming some workspaces and workplaces. So there's really a need for organizations to have an understanding of mental health and resiliency because it is becoming more commonplace and creating the space and time to take care of oneself is really a demand and an expectation of millennials who are becoming the largest portion of the workplace and will be taking over the global workplace in, in the future. So what do you think organizations do need to understand about mental health um, and resiliency? So if the conversations about mental health are, are shifting, what do organizations need to know to be up to date with this?
1: I think that the the one thing that they need to first you know begin to understand is is what's creating these issues. Um and, and a lot of times organizations just don't take the time to ask. Um and so I think that that's the first step in at WALCOA, one of the things that we encourage, you know, our members to do. I mean there's some very simple, you know, even surveys to begin to understand what are the, you know, sort of parts of people's lives that are, you know, that are stressed and that need to be uh, addressed. I think, you know, another issue is that you know, technology. That we are surrounded by technology right now. That most people's phones um, is is everything to them. It's it's how they interact with family. It's social media. It's how they work. It's their alarm clock. It's how they might even watch you know entertainment or game or whatever. That we are so plugged in now that there really aren't clear boundaries anymore between work and home life. And that can be a problem. And so if you're, you know, looking at your cell phone, or, you know, you're reading emails at 9pm at night, um, and what's first thing you do when you wake up is probably look at your phone and see if anything, you know, caught on fire while you were sleeping that you need to address. And so organizations need to help, you know, employees understand what are healthy boundaries when it comes to technology. A, A friend of mine once said that as fast as things you know, seem to be going right now, they will never be going this slow again. And so I think, you know, in the other kind of flip side of technology too is that it is creating more issues, you know, in organizations uh, with like social isolation, that people are kind of hiding behind, you know, their keyboard and their computer, and that we're not connecting more as humans. That we, as humans, part of what we desire is, you know, in this experience on earth is to connect with other people. And honestly, you know, technology can do a lot of great things and things like, you know, FaceTime is great if you're traveling to, you know, kind of reconnect and have these videos, but there's really no substitute for that. And one of the things that even this is our year actually at Wacoa of social connection is helping organizations understand the, first of all, the health impact that happens when you have lack of social connection. And the second part of that is what can you do uh, to sort of increase uh, more social connection within organizations? The other thing, you know, last little piece I'll I'll allude to that's kind of interesting is that when you have an organization that is under large amounts of stress, that it really is like a virus and, you know, companies need to really take that very seriously. And what I mean by that, there was uh, some really cool research that was done that what they did is they took mothers and their children and they separated them and they put them in different rooms and they would put the mother through. Um, kind of artificial, you know, sort of anxiety exercises. And then they would reintroduce the child back to their mother. And what happened is, and so that the mother had elevated levels of cortisol, which is cortisol is associated with stress, um, high levels of stress. That child, just by virtue of being around their mother with, you know, high amounts of, of cortisol also showed higher amounts of cortisol. And again, I think it's it's pretty obvious. If you go into a conference room at your office and there is just a tense conversation, in the room and you don't know what it was even about, you can kind of feel that. I mean, as humans, we kind of have this sort of electromagnetic field around us and we can pick up, you know, when there are large amounts of stress. And so that begins to spill over uh, and create pretty bad environments, you know, for employees. And so these are all things that organizations need to begin to understand. And first of all, help, you know, management and others, you know, recognize that these are an issue, help them create strategies, coping strategies, resiliency strategies, mindfulness strategies. Uh, when these things begin to do happen that you you can sort of reverse that vicious cycle uh, and turn it into more of a virtuous cycle.
0: Those are all such wonderful points. And um, thank you so much for sharing all of that. And it really leads into what we have set up as the next question, which is the impact of mental health on physical health. So I think this is increasingly understood. I'm not quite sure if this is universally understood at this point, but there is such a significant impact um, on physical health caused by mental health. So can you talk a little bit about that connection for our listeners?
1: Yeah, this, I get pretty excited about this because I think this is just absolutely so fascinating. And so we're actually going to talk about this, like we're going to start at a very granular level with our DNA. And there, there is a Nobel prize winner named Elizabeth Blackburn that discovered what's called telomeres. And if you think about, you know, the a shoelace, the little plastic cap on the end of your shoelace, that is, you know, if you're looking at a DNA strand, that's essentially your telomere. And so the connection here is, is that if you are under large amounts of stress uh, again have large amounts of cortisol that's rushing through your blood what they have found is that it actually shortens your telomere. And so telomeres are something that naturally shorten over time as you age and I think the greatest and most profound example of this if you think about a president that goes into the office, you know, a lot of times 4 years later after, you know, their term, you'll see a lot more gray hair. And that is a direct impact of of telomeres. When your telomeres shorten and they age, um, you start seeing effects like gray and, and other forms of aging that happens. And so that's one very clear and one scientific way that large amounts of stress and burnout can actually impact our health. What's also, and what this gets really fascinating is that they have found that this actually can go from one generation to the next generation. So if you're not taking care of yourself and you do have shortened telomeres, and you're always under stress, that you're not only impacting your physical health, but the result can see in your children as well. Again, I could go off on that really unbelievable and really fascinating stuff. The other piece, so let's kind of take it up a notch. Cortisol has been, you know, pretty much shown to impact every major chronic disease that there is. I mean, we're talking about cardiovascular disease. We're talking about cancer. We're talking about all of these things that if you have large amounts of cortisol, that if you are stressed a lot, that if you do carry around a lot of mental burden, that that really begins to impact every single area of your life. It is one of the main problems that we see. If you have high amounts of stress, and as I mentioned earlier, you're more likely to eat poorly, not sleep well, all of these things. Uh, But even things like decision making are impacted by high amounts of cortisol, that it basically what it does is it it shuts down the front part of your brain and you begin to operate from a fight or fight place um, and you're not thinking clearly. And what happens is, is that it leads to lack of innovation and creativity. And this is something that, you know, organizations and especially large ones, I mean, spend millions and millions of dollars on I'm thinking about the giants out there, the 3Ms and the Apples and, you know, the companies like Tesla that are constantly trying to keep that competitive edge and creativity and innovation are absolutely, you know, so important to these organizations. And if you do have large amounts of stress uh, and cortisol, that those decision making powers go down. If you're working in a manufacturing environment or, or you're driving or, or operating machinery, that if you have large amounts of cortisol, that again, you're, more, you're much more likely uh, to have an accident uh, than if you're not. And it all makes sense. You can think if, if you show up to work and you haven't slept very well, you've got a lot of anxiety, uh, the last place your head is at is probably focused on what it should be. And so again, you know, this is such an important thing for organizations because as stress continues to rise, it'll ultimately impact the organization's bottom line over time, not to mention everybody's health in it. And as I alluded to earlier, that this becomes kind of a vicious cycle. So stress really and burnout you know, permeates every aspect of a person and an organization. And so that's why it is absolutely you know, critical for organizations to help their employees develop skills to deal with this uh, and also develop an organizational culture that hopefully reduces, um, you know, as much stress as it can so that it minimizes the problem instead of becomes a breeding ground for stress and anxiety for its employees.
0: Thank you so much, Ryan. And I also get very excited talking about these topics. So um, it was wonderful to listen to you share this information for the audience. And I'm going to hold back so I also don't dive too far into it um, and kind of talk about this topic of burnout a little bit. So you just mentioned burnout. And this is a topic that's had a lot of attention um, for a variety of professions, thinking about medical providers, um, more recently, educators but burnout can impact everyone in the workplace. Um, can you talk a little bit more about burnout and how an organization might prevent this um, from occurring in their employees?
1: Yeah. So there's a couple ways, and burnout, as you said, is such a big issue. And I'm, and I'm glad you mentioned, uh, you know, caregivers, teachers, emergency professionals that are helping. You know, especially deal with um, you know big traumatic events. A friend of mine um, has an organization, and they will go to you know places where there's either natural disasters or wars, and help the you know the frontline people uh, manage their stress so that they don't get burned out um, and they can continue to do the good work that they're doing. So this is incredibly you know an important. So I think there's there's a couple things that organizations can do from a very basic level. One. They need to teach their employees at the very you know beginning, and I say it starts with onboarding. Um, it needs to be part of an organization's kind of strategy and part of their core um, you know mission or vision is to make sure that employees are front and center uh, to their success, and that they you know employees come into a culture that they feel um, cares for them as a person. That really is one of the most important things. That if people work for a company that they feel like cares for them as a human, um, it, it really helps reduce the impact of all of these things. Very basic, doesn't cost anything, but incredibly important. The other piece is to help um, people learn basic skills. This could be a variety of things. And you know what? Everybody's different. So whether you have a mindfulness practice uh, that's important to you or a meditation practice um, that's important to you or that you like yoga or that you like taking a walk or that you just know how to sort of, you know, take yourself out of a stressful situation and management and that that becomes, you know, again, part of an organizational culture as well that there might be many and multiple tools available to employees. I've seen, you know, quiet rooms before just a little bit to sort of take a step back to take some, you know, to a few deep breaths and begin. So what happens when you begin to either go through a visualization exercise or you take you know, a few moments to really focus on your breath? What it does is it reduces Adrenaline immediately and it also begins to help alleviate, you know, large amounts of cortisol and it basically reestablishes kind of your system and puts you back in check and then allows you to get back um, to your job. The other piece that's incredibly important here, too, is to build, you know, warning signs into management or leadership development training or really for everybody that if you see a colleague that begins to, you know, keep the door shut or that's not showing up for work or that begins to isolate themselves, knowing what to do. And so if you're a leader or management of people or just a friend of somebody's that, you know, being able to be, you know, have kind of an early identification system uh, is incredibly important. So the making it okay to talk about and say, hey, look, it looks I've noticed you know you doing this is just something I can help you with or knowing what resources might exist you know in the community uh, for people it, you know is incredibly important as well. Um, so all of these things you know starting with you know what are the individual tools that I can you know use take advantage of creating an organizational culture that certainly doesn't allow, um, you know, sort of that viral stress to continue. And then also training and educating, you know, really everybody, you know, how to identify warning signs and, and help someone that, that they might see as struggling with burnouts um, or, or other types of mental health issues.
0: Wonderful. And I really appreciate you mentioning that um, the support for employees, is everyone's job. So thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, how people in the workplace can be mindful of these changes in their coworkers and just be a support, be around and take notice to these different, um, behaviors that might show that someone is experiencing burnout or having any other, uh, challenge and just, uh, being aware of that and mindful of it. So thank you so much for bringing that up. Absolutely. Is there anything else you'd like to mention on today's podcast on resiliency, burnout, and the mind-body connection? We've offered a lot of great information um, to the audience. Thank you so much. And just want to give you a second for any final thoughts.
1: Yeah, I think that the last thing I'd add that, you know, our, our, our brain and our bodies are incredibly powerful, you know, and they're resilient by nature. And the idea to, at a very basic level that, you know, if, if we just feed our body, you know, the right foods and we allow our brain to do its good work, that a lot of times, you know, we do have this amazing, beautiful ability to heal ourselves, but we have to allow it to do that. So the, the basics, and I, and I don't want the basics to go unmentioned because I think just making sure that you do eat a healthy diet is important that you do make sure that if you're you know struggling with sleep patterns and not sleeping well that you begin to take steps to do that because when you sleep, that's really your body's time to sort of power down and to go heal and to make sure that everything, you know, kind of gets back in check for, for the next day. Sleep is incredibly, incredibly important. And so I can't, you know, state that enough that, you know, making sure that you can recharge uh, really helps create, you know, your body to be the most resilient uh, than, it, you know, that it can be. And the next, you know, the, the other piece too. So kind of the, the third side of this is that the social connection piece that, you You know, finding time to connect with someone, you know, we we are in a world where, you know, the gig economy that people might work, you know, in a remote place or behind a computer, but, you know, I can't understate how important it is for people to have some type of connection with other people. And that doesn't have to necessarily be in the workplace, um, but it can be. And so making sure that we do as people connect with people that we share experiences, because that also helps create resiliency. And if if there's a time of need, you know, we know that we have a community behind us uh, that might help us. For some people that might be, you know, a church community, for others that might be a family community, a friend community, any community. But I think that whatever that is, uh, is incredibly important. So making sure that you feed your body, you allow your body to rest and you build capacity uh, for when times do get tough and they will get tough. That's just part of, you know, kind of our experience that we have, you know, sort of the right foundation in place to help us weather any storm that comes our way.
0: Those are wonderful, practical tips for the audience. Thank you so much for sharing those.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: That wraps up today's conversation on resiliency, burnout, and the mind-body connection. Thank you once again to Ryan um, for talking with us about this very important topic. And thank you, everyone, for listening.